Good morning, everybody. My name is Nate. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are right in the middle of our Hope Series. And in my house, Charlie Brown is a big deal. Um, Every holiday that comes up, whether it's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown, the Christmas episode, I even love the Mayflower Thanksgiving one. It is a staple in our home and a staple in the homes of many people. And there's, there's a good reason for that. Charlie Brown is often called the everyman. It's for that situation right there over and over again. We see him at his failures. And in this instance in particular, you know, whether it's, it's trying to kick a football or throwing a pitch and getting knocked over or trying to fly, fly a kite, we see him in his failure and we see him lose hope over and over again. And that happens in all of our lives. And so we can relate to Charlie Brown and the things he goes through, especially when he sees other people able to accomplish the things that he was unable to accomplish. At our church in Bakersfield, back in California where we came from, we had a turkey bowl game. And it's, this just wasn't just a seven-on-seven seven flag football passing type of situation. No, we had flags on, but we ran complete... 11 on 11 full line mayhem. And I don't know whose idea it was to structure the game this way, but it, it, it was rough. So a bunch of Christian men would get together, we'd bang into each other and we have the time of our lives and we split it like this. We had a young adult ministry and it was pretty much 18 to 30-ish is what we, what we said that, that age group was. So anyone under 30 was on one team and anyone over 30 was on the other team. And one year we were practicing, yes, our teams actually practice for this event. Um, we had no one that could play quarterback. And we tried people out, we tried people out, and it, it, it just didn't work, it didn't work. And finally, I'm like, fine, I'll, I'll do it. You know, I can throw a football accurately, I can throw it pretty far, so why not, right? Till the game day. And it took me exactly two drives to lose all hope in that day and realize I am not a quarterback. None of us were quarterbacks. We had another guy that tried, and luckily, a lot of our giftings were in the defensive side of the ball. So we won the game seven to zero, one touchdown, exactly one touchdown was scored. And I was able to move back into my giftings. I was able to play defensive end and just chase a quarterback and, and have fun doing it. But for those first two drives, all hope was lost. And luckily we had moments where we could laugh. Our, our, our young adult pastor, all five foot, 530 pounds of him. The image that seared into my mind this day is him with his mouthpiece sticking out, smile from ear to ear and blood coming down his nose because he decided every year that he was going to be our nose tackle. But, yeah, probably not in his gifting either and you could see it on his face. 
We all have those moments where we find ourselves outside of our gifting, and that has happened throughout human history, and Paul actually loves to write about it. Over and over in Scripture, we see him talking about our personal giftings and how we use them together. He's, he kind of uses weird metaphors like eyeballs and ears and fingers, and really it's a beautiful image of the whole church coming together and being who we were created to be, to be one body. And in one book in particular, Paul is writing to a young Timothy, and he zeroes in specifically on Timothy. See, Timothy has traveled with Paul all throughout the Roman world, going from city to city, preaching the good news. Paul knows exactly who Timothy is. He knows every gifting God has given him, every talent that he has. He knows exactly what God has made Timothy for. So Paul sends Timothy to Ephesus. Now, Ephesus, it's a whole nother ball game. Ephesus had been called, has been called the Las Vegas of the ancient Roman world, and the Roman world was pretty crazy. So for it to be set apart like that means something altogether different. And not only was the community crazy, but the church itself was struggling with unity and false teaching and struggling to bring themselves together with some of these people that were tearing the church apart from the inside. And as he's writing in 1 Timothy, to Timothy, halfway through the book, we see him pause. We see him step back and go from talking about the struggles of the church and how Timothy is going to handle it to Timothy himself. And the, the, the language actually gets, it builds some intensity to it right away. So Paul steps back and he starts talking directly to Timothy. And he comes out the gate swinging. So when we enter a hard situation, even if we're built like Timothy was to actually handle the situation, we still have two options. When things get hard, we can either shrink back and back up and get scared or we step forward and in stepping forward, Paul in verse 11 tells Timothy to command and teach these things. That's a heavy word. He is to command this difficult situation. Verse 12, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And this is, this is the verse that all young people like to tout, right? Early on in, in my early 20s, when I first became a Christian, I saw this verse for the first time in a surf shop. In, back in California, and it was plastered all over T-shirts. And a lot of times it's used for a, I can do whatever I want type of situation, but what it is actually used here for are the words that come afterwards. See, those descriptive terms right there, be an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity what young people struggle with, right? 
If we're honest, we all struggle with a lot of those things. But specifically, we often see that in our younger generations. And the problem with what we see here is if you look at the commentaries, Paul is anywhere, or I'm sorry, Timothy is anywhere from his early mid-20s to late 30s. So we really have no idea. It's somewhere in that ballpark. But in that day and age, anything under 40, you're still not considered mature enough to handle these types of situations. So Timothy was young and people are going to look down on him just for the fact that he is young. But Paul is telling him he has to be the example in these things that they struggle with. Verse 13, until I come devote yourselves, yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift. Verse 14 here, this is the main verse of this whole passage. This is what everything is about coming in to this verse and after this verse. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you and don't see this wrong. The prophecy and the laying of hands is man agreeing with what God has already done. See, Paul is telling Timothy that God has made you for this situation. Your giftings have made you the perfect piece to come in and lead this church. And those giftings are from God and God is with you as you go about this church. Isn't that good news that God is with us in whatever situation we find ourselves in. And for Timothy, we see it's communicate, communicate, communicate and live it out. Verse 15, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. It is our responsibility to be diligent. Timothy, you must be diligent. You must fully jump into this moment. You must give everything you have to the purpose God has given you. Going back to Charlie Brown, we see his failures over and over again. But when we look and when we see his life lived out, we see that every time he fails, he is trying to be something that he's not. And Derwin Gray puts it like this. He's trying to put on someone else's miracle. I love that. We have all been given a miracle, a gifting. We've all been given talents. But we struggle when we look at other people and try to put on their miracle. And in Timothy's situation, he's following Paul. Because this great leader, the one that wrote the vast majority of the New Testament, the one who spread the gospel all throughout the Roman world, how could you not want to try to emulate that person? But he can't. He's got to be who God has made him to be. He's got to wear his own miracle and not put on someone else's miracle. And we see 
And Charlie Brown, after his failures, after his failures and failures, specifically, and I know this isn't Christmas, but this is the best example there is for it. Charlie Brown goes to the Christmas tree lot for the Christmas, and he is, he is told that he is to bring back these beautiful aluminum painted, just magnificent fake trees. He's supposed to bring one of those back because it'll be perfect for the Christmas play. And as Charlie Brown enters, those beautiful trees are everywhere. The lot is full with these beautiful trees, but Charlie Brown in his giftings, in his gift of compassion and everything that he's been through, we see that poured out on this little, real, scrappy, bare tree because, because the way God has made him, obviously he's a cartoon character, but anyway, he has been made to see the beauty through compassion that no one else can see. That is Charlie Brown's giftings. That is the purpose that Charlie Brown was put on earth. First Corinthians 12, one says this, about the gifts of the spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. It is our jobs to be informed of our own giftings. It is our job to know how God has wired us, how God has made us, and how we are meant to use those giftings and the purpose that he has put on our life. The first Corinthians 14, 12 says this, so it is with you since you are eager for the gifts of the spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. We are meant to excel and to work and make those gifts to strengthen them and strengthen them, strengthen them, then turn them over to the church and to the work of God. So how do we know? How do we know what our gifts are? And first of all, there's a difference between talents or strengths and gifts. Everyone in the world is born with talent, right? Everyone has a talent somewhere in their life that they were born with that they can then use throughout their life, whether it's sports-related or, or academic or musical or the list goes on and on and on. Everyone is born with talents. But giftings, giftings are from the Holy Spirit, the spiritual giftings that we're talking about here, those are specifically given to believers when they receive the Holy Spirit. And in some ways, you'll hear some stories where people talk about they were never able to do this, but when they receive the Spirit of God, they all of a sudden are experts at it, right? And those stories are out there, but what I see in talking to our other people in our staff and, and people around us most of those giftings just streamline our talents to do the work that God has put us here for, to strengthen the kingdom of God. And there are tests out there. There are tests for both talents. You know, when you see strength finders, we have here at the church, we do tons of different 
gifting, te- or actually talent tests. So the strength finders, we do teamwork tests and working genius. And then there's spiritual gift tests where if you just go on and Google spiritual gifts, you'll have pages and pages and pages of different tests that you can take to find those out for yourself. The problem with tests is we have to actively want to put on our own miracle. We have to see who God has created us to be. We have to actively see how God is using us in life to get an accurate result from those tests. And that is something that's hard to do. So next you have close relationships. Those people that see you every day, those people that see how God uses you day in and day out, they can come alongside you and they can help you with figuring out how God has wired you. And I did that this week. I went to my wife and I went to Pastor Dustin and I said, okay, what what do you see? When you think of my gifts, what do you see? When you think of my talents, what do you see? And they both said the same thing, which was good. And it backed up all the tests that I took, which was good. But it was all kind of a, a mix of um, thirst for knowledge, thirst for wisdom, and prophecy. Prophecy being you, you take in information and you can see which direction things are going because of that information. Um, that's where my giftings lie. It's discernment. It's strategic. It's, it's all those type of things but I have people close to me who can speak those, those ideas into my life. Now, we all need those people close to us that can speak those giftings into our lives. But most important is the closer and closer we are to our creator, the closer and closer we find ourselves to God, is the better we will understand the purpose and the reason why we have been put on this planet. We can't live out our purpose with separation between us and the the creator, our God that has created us to live in that purpose. We also have the responsibility to be Paul in this situation. We have the responsibility to the people close to us to be able to speak the truth into their lives with their giftings and their their talents and everything that God has in store and God is able to use them for. And there's there's a leadership quote that I love by Clay Scroggins. And it fits perfectly actually into this situation. And it says 90% of leadership is showing up consistency or showing up consistently, being a part of people's lives, being there for them, seeing how their life is lived out, being aware of our own emotions, and specifically I think of being a parent in this way. I wanna make sure that when I speak into my kids' lives, I'm not trying to make them a version of me. I want God to be able to use them for who they are because that's what will make them great. And then want, number three is want the best for others. To want the best in the lives of those people you're speaking into. 
Don't put on other people's miracles. You have been given a miracle in and of yourself to live a life of purpose. What happens if we are able to fully dive into the giftings that we have been given? What happens if we're able to fully be able to, to live a life of purpose with the giftings that God has given us? Our life change, our life change. When we live under our design from a great God, our life becomes filled with hope because we are living a life of purpose there's a Bible project video that's on heaven and earth. And the heavenly realm and the earthly realm is two different colors. And it talks about how Eden was meant to be that intercession of heaven and earth. That's what God created it for. And then through the fall, it split. But God has been trying to bring those two realms back together and in us, Through Jesus, we actually carry the kingdom of God with us. And so when those two realms cross, in this video, it turns purple. And it talks about how everywhere one of us, everywhere the kingdom of God is experienced, there's a little piece of purple that's left. A little piece of purple that's left. So in our lives... If we're able to carry the kingdom of God in our purpose, we can leave a little piece of purple everywhere we go, a little piece of the kingdom everywhere that we go. And if we're living in that purpose, the more people that's going to be affected by the kingdom of God. The only way that happens if we put on the miracle that's intended for us and what happens if we, we are a church that one day decides we are all going to fully give ourselves to our giftings and, and one body with fingers and ears and eyeballs, we go out and we try to change our community. What happens to our community if we as a church are moving through with the purpose of that God has given us in our lives? What happens to the rest of the world if the church as a whole has people filled in it that just want to live out their purpose and do it together in one big body of Christ? Some of you in here have been coming week after week And you're just like I was. I started going to church because my faith wasn't my own. It was my own. It was my wife's. So I showed up week after week and I sat in a chair, heard the sermon, did some worship, and I left and nothing was ever changed. And there's an old saying and it's, it goes like this. It's possible to be saved, but live a wasted life. It's possible to be saved, 
but live a wasted life. And my life was absolutely wasted in those first few years of going to church. The great thing is God has put a purpose on every one of your lives. He has made you with talents and giftings to live out that purpose and be able to do it, live that purpose in whatever situation you find yourself in. You just have to say yes to it. And you may be just like me sitting here with a wasted life or you may not know Jesus at all. But right now is the time to say yes. He is calling you. He is moving you forward. And we do a prayer here every week. Don't waste your life anymore. So if you guys could bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to I pray for us. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the love that you pour out, Lord, and we thank you for the purpose you have put on our lives. And when we live that purpose, we live a life of hope, full of hope. Lord, for those that are in here that that want to say yes, want to say yes to your calling, that want to say yes to a life of purpose under you, Lord, I, I ask that you continue to draw them near. Be their strength. Lord, help them to see you in ways that they've never seen you before. That's the only way this world is going to change is if your church comes together and lives the life of purpose that you have made us for. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed. Anyone is feeling that charge in their life right now, that wants to say yes to Jesus, raise your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, strengthen these people right now. We're going to say a prayer together right now. Lord, we ask that you, you do crazy crazy things in the lives of these people. Help them to see you. Help them to walk in your purpose every day. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to bring up a prayer right now, and we're all going to say it together. So no one has to do it alone. But Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. That he gave his life to forgive my sins and was raised from the grave 
to give me life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. All right. Thank you guys so much. If you said that prayer for the first time, you can go out to one of our welcome desks and we have a Bible for you as well as a reading plan. Don't walk this journey alone. Please, please, please put on your miracle and face this life the way God has created you to in your giftings and your talents. Have a great week, everybody.